God bless you. Thank you. Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and open up to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going to look at verses 6 and 7 again as we continue our Christmas theme unto us. I've entitled this, The Worthy Reign of Christ unto us. Let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here uh, once again. We thank you for the privilege that's ours to be able to worship you. And Lord, I do pray that you would take this time in our hearts and our lives and that you would use it. I would ask, Lord, that... Um, your grace would work in and through me and that uh, I would be in the background. You would be in the foreground. Lord, I pray that you would clear my mind of any distractions. And I pray that I'd only be thinking on those things that would honor and please you. And Lord, I pray that I would only say those things that would be honoring and pleasing to you. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would help us today to be able to take Bible principles and to apply them to our lives. Lord, I, I don't want us to have a church that is just hearers of the word. Lord, I pray that we would be doers. God, I pray that we would take action upon what we hear and that we would apply it. It's so easy for us to get caught up in just hearing the things and knowing, oh, yeah, that's right, but never applying it to our lives. Father, help us to see true life change as we apply your word to our hearts and our lives. And we thank you that if we do apply your word to our hearts and our lives, that there will be true life change. We love you this morning. We do pray that if there's anyone here today that does not know you, that they would come to the saving knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today, we live in the most advanced society or really advanced civilization in any other time in history, if you think about it. We've got more technology at our hands and we have more advancement than the world's ever seen. And yet with all this advancement that we have and, and all the, the technology that we have and, and all the advantages in this world that we live in, there's, there's certain things that we are still consumed with. One of the things that we're consumed with is a desire for peace. But we're also consumed with the fear of war. Our society, no matter how advanced it gets, without the Lord Jesus Christ, will always have those two problems. It will be consumed with a desire for peace and it will be also consumed with the fear of war. Today, there are many conflicts around the world. There is, as you well know, there's civil unrest in, in uh, Hong Kong. There's an uprising now in Iran. 
There are trouble spots in the Middle East, and, and the threat of China against America is very real. All of this, if we're not careful, and more bring a sense of darkness and gloom. And there, there is a gloom that engulfs this world like a thick darkness, but it's even greater than this. There have been numerous efforts, as you well know, to bring peace uh, to our world and to bring peace between Syria and Israel and the Palestinians. But one after another, these peace treaties are broken. They don't last very long. There are those who believe that the best way that we can get peace in our society today and in our world today is from a position of power. If we just have more power, we can bring peace. There are other radical groups that will say, I'm going to incite terror in order to for force the peace issue. But in the midst of this, we still live in a very dangerous and frightening world. And the continual presence of evil in our world is really the real problem. See, the result is that there is a greater gloom in darkness in our world, and that is spiritual darkness. For those of us who know Christ this morning, though all these things are going on in our world, we can be comforted this morning. We don't have to despair. We don't have to live in gloom. We don't have to live in darkness. But the Bible comforts us in knowing that there is hope. See, the reason that the world despairs, the reason that the world has, has um, a, a, a lack of peace in their life, the reason that the world is fearful is because they have no solid hope. They put their hope maybe in this peace treaty, or they put their hope in this person, or they put their hope in this type of government, and they put their hope in, in this political figure. See, but for those of us who know Christ this morning, we have the assurance that one day Christ is coming back. Acts chapter 1 says, as the disciples were standing there, and this same Jesus, which he saw go into heaven, shall come in like manner. When Jesus comes back, he's not sending angels. He is coming back himself. And we've got that hope. See, we have a hope that Christ is coming back. And not only that he's coming back, but listen, that he will reign sovereignly over this world. We have a hope and assurance that Christ, Christ and Christ alone is the only one that can bring real peace. Have you ever thought about ultimate peace? For us as believers... We have hope that one day we will have ultimate peace upon this earth because of who Christ is. So this is what I want you to do. This is the take home for this week. One day, no matter where you find yourself this morning, one day you will have ultimate peace. If you know Christ is your personal savior, you will have ultimate peace one day. But that doesn't mean that we can't have peace today for we can Though our world may be troubled around us, we can have peace today. But my question is, when will ultimate peace come? I believe we have here in the ninth chapter of uh, Isaiah, we've got the answer. 
But let me give you this first. So write this down. If you'd like to take notes on the back of your program there, there should be an outline and you can write this down. We will have ultimate peace with the start of the messianic age. We will have ultimate peace with the start of the messianic age. In our key text, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, what we see here are the two advents of Christ. The two times that Christ comes to earth. The first, in verse 6, we find the first advent. That's his birth, what we're celebrating now. But in verses 6 and 7, do you realize that there's a span of thousands of years in just those two verses? There's thousands of years that are, are prophesied for us in those two verses because in verse 7, we see the second advent. For it talks about his government. His government will continually increase. His government will be a, a peaceful government. His government will uh, have the zeal of the Lord upon it. His government will be a government that he rules and reigns completely in. That's the second advent of Christ. And in verses 1 through 5 of Isaiah chapter 9, what we see here is the way that it's going to happen. I want you to take a look at verses 1 through 5 of Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as, were, as was in her vexation. When at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. After, and afterward did more grievously afflict, afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nations and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to thy joy in harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff off his shoulders. The rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and, the, and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. These verses are talking about the messianic um, reign of Christ. The second advent of Christ. You say, well, what's the messianic age? You might know it this way. Have you ever heard the term the millennium? It's the thousand-year reign of Christ. I want you to turn over to the book of the Revelation, if you would, <coughs> very quickly. The book of the Revelation and chapter uh, 20. Revelation chapter 20. Because this is going to be a really glorious time. Because I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I probably can speak for you if you're a serious Christian, though. I get tired of fighting the flesh. I get tired of fighting sin. I get tired of fighting Satan. And so this right here is going to be a glorious time because Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. Take a look at Revelation chapter 20 and verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil. That's great. Isn't that... <laughs> I think that's great. There's an angel. God doesn't even do it himself. He gets one of his, he gets one of his minions. He said, here, here, just go, just, you go take care of the devil. You go take care of that old dragon. You go take, I'm not going to waste my time with him. 
And he laid hold of that dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. After that, he must be loosed a little season. It's going to be wonderful to know that one day for us who know the Lord Jesus Christ is our personal Savior, we're going to have ultimate peace. And one of the reasons why we have ultimate peace is because Satan is bound for a thousand years and Christ will rule and reign. In the current context of Isaiah where we find ourselves, the reason that this passage of Scripture brings hope is because Isaiah is contrasting this against an evil king by the name of Ahaz. Ahaz ruled uh, the, the, the two tribes when, and, and when Israel was broken in half. And he ruled Judah. But he was a terrible king. Now Isaiah here is presenting to us the current situation and the coming age. I think that we could see ourselves in this current situation. There's darkness, there's, there's war, there's despair. But what's going to happen is it's going to give way to universal peace and righteousness and joy. But how, how, how does peace come? What can we find here from, from this portion of scripture? How do we have peace and joy? How can we take a prophetic portion of scripture and make it applicable for today. Not only do we know that one day we're going to have ultimate peace and that's a wonderful thing, but tomorrow morning when I get up for work, how can I have peace? I want you to take a look here, write this down, letter A. Jesus will bring peace by changing the circumstances. Jesus will bring peace by changing the circumstances. Verse one, verses 1 and 2 of Isaiah chapter 9, he talks about the darkness. Uh, um, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. What he's doing, he's announcing, he's saying there's going to be no more gloom. There's going to be no more distress for those who are suffering. And this morning, my friend, if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, guess what? Jesus Christ has changed your circumstances and your permanent residence for all of eternity. You and I, we were once in darkness, but now because of Christ, we are walking in the light. Does not First John tell us that? Walk in the light as he is in the light. And so this morning we can see that pre Jesus will bring peace by, by changing the circumstances for these people. They were walking in darkness and they had seen a great light, the Bible says. Those who have been living in the shadow of death no longer walk that path. I want you to turn over to uh, Malachi chapter 4, if you would please. It's going, there's going to be a time where there will be peace and prosperity and joy. But also for us, who know Christ is our personal Savior, think about it. We already have prosperity. Whenever we think about prosperity, we think of tangible things, don't we? We need to change that thought process. Because what about those who are uh, unfathomably poor but know Christ is their personal Savior? Do they not live as prosperous? Do they not live peacefully? Do they not have joy? 
I would tell you right now, there are some in third world countries that know Christ as their personal savior. And though they are not physically prosperous, they're probably more prosperous than any Christian in here. Because they have nothing but Jesus. And for us to know Christ, our personal Savior, we always think that prosperity comes in the things that we have, but it's not in the things that we have. It is a person that we enjoy. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise. There is an all of God in here. This fear (coughs) that Malachi is talking about, there's an awesomeness of God that I treasure him above everything else with healings in his wings and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. See, it's the son of righteousness. That's Jesus Christ, another name for Jesus Christ that will bring, bring a, a prospect of a new beginning for you and for me. Do you realize, listen church, do you realize that every day that you get up is a new beginning for you with Jesus? It's not your salvation all over again, but the Bible tells us what? That his mercies are what? New every morning. You have a new beginning, so don't let that old serpent, that devil, the one who's going to be bound for a thousand years, to remind you of what you did yesterday. Because what happens is yesterday robs you of the joy that you can have today. So we can have peace today. And Jesus does bring peace So, but pastor, how can I have peace today? My world is falling apart. I know, and I'm looking forward to having ultimate peace. So how can I have peace today? The Bible tells us that when our mind is stayed, matter of fact, from Isaiah, when our mind is stayed on him, we have peace. See, the reason that we don't experience peace in our life is because our mind is not focused on the thing that it should be focused upon. It's not staying upon the thing that it should be staying on. You say, Pastor, why should I keep my mind uh, stayed on Jesus Christ? Because listen, he's the only thing that is stable in your life. Everything else is changing. One text message can change your whole world. One email can change your world. A phone call, a conversation with somebody can change your whole world. But when your mind is stayed upon Christ, uh, you have peace. When we think, I want you to turn over to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. When we think on the right things. Isaiah says, keep your mind stayed on Jesus Christ, okay? Now, what should I be thinking upon as my mind is stayed on Jesus Christ? Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren. Paul's closing up his letter to the Philippians. He's saying, now look, I'm, I'm giving you my closing. I want to give you one last thing here. I want you to remember this. Philippians is the book of psychology for the Christian. It is. It's a book of joy written from a prison cell. And this is what Paul says. He's writing it from a prison cell. He hasn't been treated very well. He's been in stocks. He, he's, he, his, I'm sure that his, his wrists are raw, his ankles are raw from being chained. I'm sure he hasn't been treated too well. And, you know, if we were in prison, we would be thinking about all the negative. When can I get out of here? I can't understand why God's doing this to me. How could God treat me this way? I mean, man, God must not love me anymore. What sin have I done in my life that, God, that God, God's doing this? Uh, am I the only one that may even think that way at times? Hello? You know it. You know it's true because you think the same way. 
When you're going through difficult times, you think the same way. But Paul says, he doesn't write that, finally, brethren, I want you to know you're really going to be depressed going through hard times. You're probably going to blame God. No, what does he say? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have seen and heard in me and received, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. See, it's when we think on those things as my mind is stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So, yes, Isaiah is saying there's going to be ultimate peace one day. All that we see that is wrong is going to be righted. All the destruction, all the harm, everything's going to be wiped out. We're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. But, but Pastor, what about Monday? Jesus does bring peace to us each day when we have our mind focused upon him and when we're thinking this way. But there's coming a day when not only circumstances will be changed and there will be ultimate peace, but we have to take a look at verse 3 because Jesus is the one that brings joy and peace. You're not going to find joy and peace any other place than the Lord Jesus Christ. You can find temporary happiness. You can find uh, temporary prosperity. But listen, folks, your prosperity, your, your physical prosperity can, can go just like that. May I remind you of the recent recession just a few years ago. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 3. Thou hast multiplied the nations and not increased the joy. You've done everything that you can to try and increase. It hasn't happened. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. See, this is what it looks like for light to dispel darkness. You know what happens when darkness is removed? There's joy and prosperity. You know what I find interesting about this joy here? It's an extravagant joy. It's the kind of joy, and he uses this term as one would celebrate after a harvest. And we don't think in those terms that way. But let me put it to you this way. We, you know, because that, that's more of an agricultural type thing. And not that I'm endorsing this, but, but you'll understand this. The mega millions. And it was like 190 Seven million dollars. I'm going to tell you how happy these people with the harvest would be. If they had that winning ticket, okay, you scratched it off or whatever. Um, where's one of the deacons? They probably know how to do that. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> you, you scratch that off and you win 197 million. It's all for you. And you're like, oh, well, <laughs> no, man, you're jumping around. You're saying, "Woo, yeah, now I don't have to go back to that crazy boss. I'm quitting my job. Whatever you do, whatever you do, if you, if you do play, if you gamble, now I'm not, I am not advocating gambling, but if for some reason you happen to just fall and you pick up a, a ticket and you win, my fellow Christians, the devil has had that money long enough. We want you to tithe and give unto the Lord joyfully so we can get a new parking lot. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. <laughs> but that's what it would be like. I mean, when they had a great harvest, what did they do? There was a celebration. There was a feast. There was eating and drinking. There was a great time. And at the end of the age, guess what? There's going to be a party like you've never been to. 
Jesus will enter in, enter in a great time and of joy and peace at the end of the age. I mean, let me let you think about something though. But what about today? This is one of the reasons why you don't want to give up when things get difficult in your Christian life right here. Because think about this. When you've gone through the fighting, the darkness, the hard times, the difficulties, the disappointments, the tears, and you look back at how God brought you through and you're stronger in Christ today than you were back then. I don't know about you, but any serious Christian, that brings joy to your heart. Guess what? You're more prosperous today because of that than you were back then. Because you see the hand of God upon you and you see the hand of God in your life. And it's like, look, if he brought me through this, then he's going to bring me through this. Listen, the first time you went through wading waters, you thought it was a great storm, but it was just wading waters. Now, this time, the waters are a little bit higher, it seems. But listen, as you go on in your Christian life and you pass each test, and you're able to look back and you see uh, what God has done and it brings joy to your heart. This is what we're talking about, that, that, that God's going to bring a greater trials into your life. Why? To strengthen you in him. Why? To make you more prosperous. See, <clears throat> think about your life when you've prayed earnestly, when you've fasted, you've been consistently faithful to the Lord, and then the harvest comes, and you see that that life was changed. You see that they turned around. You see that the broken was healed. The Bible says in Galatians chapter six and verse eight, for he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap everlasting life. See, when you're sowing to the Spirit this morning, you're accepting the Word of God into your heart and your mind. You're believing the Word of God, and you will, you will experience great joy that only Jesus can bring. I've told you before, when it doesn't seem like the Word of God is working in your life, you don't think, you're wondering if it's even true anymore because the darkness is so great. You say, Pastor, what do you do? You hold on even tighter and you say, I know that this is true. I know that this is true. See, it's only Jesus that can bring joy and peace. You say, Pastor, have you ever had that in your life happen to you? I said, yeah, yeah, I have. I have. Where I've doubted the word of God. Is this really true? What did you do? I held on even tighter. And this is what I would say. I would say to the Lord, where else can I go? Amen. For you have the words of life. There, were, there, there have been times where I have doubted what God said in his word. And I've questioned it. And I, I've scratched my head when I've gone through hard times. And I say, God, I don't understand this. But in my darkest of hours, in my, my deepest of despair, I've looked back to God and I've said, God, you are the one with the words of life. There's nowhere else for me to go. Where am I going to go? Am I going to go run to the world? They don't have any answers. Look at them. They're a mess. You say, what was happening in your life at that time? The same thing that happens to you in your life. Remember, I'm a Christian just like you. God just placed me as the pastor of this church. I struggle just like you. 
in certain areas of my life. I'm a growing Christian just like you. Why, why does God have that come into our life? So that we can be stronger to be able to help somebody else. The problem that most of us have is that we want the joy and the prosperity like that. But you know what I found? I found that you have to fight for joy. Why? Because Satan's doing everything he can. He cannot get my salvation, but he can steal my joy. What did it say? You tried to increase the nations and join. There was nothing there. What did it say? That the, the, the Isaiah said that this land, these people, they were walking in darkness, but now they've seen the light. What did it say about Satan? That, that he's there to deceive the nations. In Revelation, we just read it, that he's deceiving the nations. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll start to doubt the word of God sometimes. I just, I don't understand what's happening. Satan's trying to deceive us. He's the great deceiver, is he not? What's the Bible say? He's the father of lies. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the old serpent. And guess what I found? The same things that he used at the very beginning is the same thing that he's using today. You say, when, he, when we're doubting the word of God, what's happening? Satan's just saying, God hath not said, just like he said to Adam and Eve, well, to Eve in Genesis 3. God hath not said. You know what he's saying? Is this really true? See, and we can try and look everywhere else for joy and prosperity. But friends, even for us as Christ, our mind must be stayed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and we only can get that joy from him. Listen, we'll talk, we talk a lot about joy during Christmas time, do we not? And I don't know about you, but I'll tell you, if you're young parents, this is what you do. Don't buy, if you got kids under the age of, of like one, don't buy any presents, just go to Home Depot. Now listen, listen to me. Go to Home Depot and get some boxes and wrap them. Let them tear the paper off and they'll play with the boxes. You say, how do you know that? Because I bought gifts for my girls and all that they did was what? Play with the boxes, okay? So I just saved you a bunch of money, all right? But we talk a lot about joy, do we not? But it's not in presence. It's not in those things. Though this, this, this time of year is all about joy, what is the reason for the joy? The joy is not in all the tangible things that we have. The joy is in knowing Christ as our personal Savior, that he came to this earth for you and for me. What else will Jesus bring? Take a look, letter C here, and we'll close with this. Jesus will bring joy and peace when war is over. Verses 4 and 5. We can only get joy and peace from Jesus, but Jesus will bring ultimate peace when war is over. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and uh, verse 4, and the staff of his shoulder, off his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel fire. This is the time when the Lord will break the oppression of his enemies. The Lord will break the oppression of his enemies. This is where war will end. In Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4, you might want to write this down. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. 
and their spears in the pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Say, so what is he talking about there? That military weapons will not be needed. They'll be destroyed. Why? Because when there's a time of lasting peace, there is no need for military weapons. Okay, that's great. Well, war's over. I can't wait for the messianic age. I can't wait for the millennium of Christ, that reign. But what about tomorrow morning, Pastor? I just said a few minutes ago, how many of us long for our war to be over in our flesh? When we no longer do the things that we shouldn't do, and we don't do the things that we should do. Anybody with me this morning? Amen. You know that's the truth, isn't it? That's what Paul said. He said he struggled with that. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I do. You know what he's saying? I'm fighting the flesh. There is a war within me. How many of us want to have that day that we come to this lasting peace in our own lives? You ever wonder why the back and forth in your Christian life? One day you seem to be advancing in your Christian walk and the next day you seem to be living a life of defeat and, and it seems like the back and forth. You say, why is that, Pastor? Because we're living in the already and the not yet. The reason for the back and forth is because we still have this flesh and, and we still battle sin. Though sin has been conquered by the Lord Jesus Christ, we still live in this body and we live in the already but not yet. For example, I'm already saved. I'm already saved. And I thank the Lord for that, that I know that I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to heaven because anything that I'm done, I've done. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a Baptist preacher. I'm not going to heaven because I'm, I'm a, a son of a Baptist preacher. I'm not going to heaven because I was raised in church. I'm not going to heaven because I take communion. I'm not going to heaven because I've been baptized. I'm going to heaven because I accepted the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a follower, not of theology. There's a lot of people that are followers of theology. They, they follow, okay, this is what the Bible says, and I'm, I'm following. No, I'm a follower of a person. I'm following after the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that I want to model my life after. He's the one that's forgiven my sins. So I'm already saved. But I'm not yet completely sanctified. That's why this morning you can be rejoicing. Hey, Amen. Praise God. I'm already saved. And then you get in the car and say, honey, what time is dinner? Well, what? not till two o'clock. Two o'clock. What are you kidding me? I'm starving. That preacher preached really long and I'm hungry. Mm. And then she says, well, go get dinner yourself. You know, you're already saved, but you're not completely sanctified. You're living in the already, but not yet. Aren't you glad when all that's going to be done with? Uh, now, that doesn't give us an excuse. You say, well, Pastor, how can that help me Monday morning? When you feel the urge, when you, when, you, when you know that you shouldn't respond in that way, you say, oh, well, I was just grouchy and I was just hungry. I had low blood sugar. I don't see where it accounts for low blood sugar in the word of God to treat people nasty. Remember what your grandmom told you. If you can't say something nice. All right, I don't have to finish it. Thank you. 
See, it seems for us, it seems to us that we, it slips our mind that we can have such great peace. We don't have to respond that way. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not in the not yet. I understand that all of us are in the not yet. We're in the already. But one day we're going to be in the not yet. One day we're going to be completely sanctified. But while we're here, that's why we have the back and forth. And what we have to do is we got to understand that there's a war going over. Jesus has already won the war. Now, all that we have to do in our life on a daily basis tomorrow morning is just wave the victory flag. Say, you know what? I don't have to act that way. I don't have to talk that way. I don't have to go there. I... Why? Though I may want to, I'm not. I'm going to wave the victory flag that Jesus has already won the war. Well, how can you do that? How can you wave that victory flag? Because he has won the war. My friends, can we ever have a time of lasting peace? Yes, we can. Ultimate peace will happen at Messianic age. Guess what? You can have peace today. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. Peace on earth. And Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. Remember my last point here, right? But basically he says, don't be concerned. Why? Because I have overcome the world. He also said, great peace I have, I give unto them, I leave with them. This morning, you don't have to wait to have ultimate peace. You can have peace today.